Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. In the studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. What's going on? Myself, Anthony. And we got another special guest, friend of the podcast, Dante Marcatelli. How we doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's good to see you guys. So now that I'm on twice, I get to be a friend, uh, a guest, a friend of the show. I love that. Perfect. That, yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Great. It's good to see um, you guys. Everyone looks well. Same here. Thank you. It's funny how the uh, first time that you came on with us, we were struggling through COVID. And the second time around, we're still struggling with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait until COVID's gone to join you for a third time, fellas. Okay, let's, let's get through this. But I like that. I gotta get. I gotta upgrade my backdrop. I love that backdrop you have there, Anthony. Uh, as soon as we get off the air, I'll, I'll tell you my good, secrets. Good. That way we can get. You <laughs> but I like. I like. I like the setup that you have because you have two two all time greats in the background that I see. I'm not. I'm not a big baseball fan, so I'm not sure who Ortiz is. Okay. Not a baseball fan. Okay. But you got you got Brady, and then my all time favorite Magic player, yep. Tracy McGrady. So I I think it's a good setup. Uh, Big Poppy, you don't know who Big Poppy is? Yeah, Justin, will you please fill him in? Would you please let him know who Big Poppy is? Well, growing up growing up in New York and having a Hall of Fame Yankee as a cousin, uh, we hated you yeah, guys. I can imagine. So that's David Ortiz. I can imagine. Who was your uh, Hall of Fame cousin? A legend, nonetheless. He better be first ballot. Uh, a lot of people don't believe it when I say it, but Bernie Williams. Really, Bernie Williams? I did. Uh, yes, is it that cool? Very nice. Bernie always yes, killed sir. the Red Sox. He was a all yes, the time. Did. Yes, but Ortiz did some damage to you guys. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit, right? Right now. So, uh, D- Dante, before we get started and jump into talking some Magic basketball, I want to, I want to know how it felt wearing New England Patriots gear at a Buccaneers game. <laughs> how did, how did that work? And I'm sure you weren't the only one doing that. Now, let's be clear. I didn't have a ton of gear. I had okay. a hat, right? I had a hat, which I think was okay. I, but I thought about painting my face and wearing a Brady jersey. I did think about that. But, um, no, it was – I had seen a couple of fans in previous games doing it, and I didn't want to be all decked out because I'm sure <laughs> Tampa fans have to be getting annoyed with all these Patriots fans coming. A little but bit. for us, I mean, imagine Bernie Williams, David Ortiz, whoever your favorite player is, no longer on your team. He had so right. much success. He's the greatest football player of all time. That alone warrants you wanting to go watch him. And then he's right down the road. He's right down the road in Tampa. So I had to go check it out. I had to go throw my support to Tommy Terrific. And now with my Patriots being eliminated by those happy Dolphin fans, uh, I'm all in on the Bucks. All in on the Bucks. How far do you think uh, they'll go? They they struggled yesterday against the yeah. Falcons, right? 24-7, to 7, and then Tom Brady went into goat mode and pulled them through. Yes, he sure did. I don't know if they're – I thought that defense was better. I'm not going to lie to you. I – I know yeah. Bruce Arians is a renowned offensive mind and, and all that. So you knew they'd be okay offensively. But, man, that defense, they give up a lot of points. And, and they, they should have lost yesterday. They couldn't stop Atlanta until it counted. Right. Matt Ryan cannot beat Tom Brady, fellas. I, I yep. think we know this officially. That guy, I'm sure, didn't sleep, sleep a wink last <laughs> But it was fun to watch. It was great to see Tommy up to his old tricks. And, I, come on, you guys have to think deep down in there, He's pretty excited that he's going to make the playoffs and the Patriots. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Hopefully. I mean, 
you know, as a giant fan, I, I don't celebrate Tom too much nowadays, but, uh, sure, sure. but it, it'd be awesome to see the Buccaneers make it to the Super Bowl in Tampa representing Tampa. That, that'd be amazing. I think, yeah, I think they can get there. I don't, I don't know if they can beat new Orleans. They've already lost twice to them, but depending on the path who they got to play to get there, I, I don't ever count Tommy out. I don't know if anyone can beat the chiefs right now. It may not matter, but I think they can be the first team to play a Super Bowl in their own stadium. That'd be awesome. If they get if they get there, Dante, then we definitely need to get you in there with the face paint, the, yes. the, the whole gear, not just the hat. I will wear whatever you guys want if you can get me to a Super. Imagine that. I never see a Super Bowl for Tom with the Patriots, but my first time would be when he's with the Bucks. That'd be me. I'd do it. That'd be great. <laughs> Look at that, uh, Dante. What was your experience about um, you know broadcasting? in the bubble um obviously you've, you've been doing it in the arenas for for so long and then kind of be taken out of the primary element the same as the players but doing it in more of a confined space um what was that experience like well it was strange it's still strange guys even though we're back in the building thankfully we've got the players in front of us uh but you don't have fans and, and that's the best part of this whole thing is feeling that energy from fans so so it's still strange but being in the bubble you couldn't even see the players i mean you just literally we were relying on everything on the television monitor, like everyone would have at home. Now we had another monitor, we had access to other feeds. Uh, there were other cameras during timeouts and we were able to see the huddle and things like that. But there's no there's no replicating being there. You guys know when you go to a game, there's nothing like being at a game. When you're not at the game, we want you to watch Fox Sports Florida, but there's nothing like being at the game. And we know that. And it was just, you know, for David and Jeff, who are used to picking up so much off the ball that you don't see on, on camera, you, you kind of don't have that feel, but I thought they did an unbelievable job, you know, because you're at the mercy of what whatever the cameraman is shooting, and you're you're at that mercy. Right. And and I think they they did a great job, and they figured out a way to do replays, and and they figured out a way to call it the best they could. But it was strange. I, I, there were times where we'd go in there one in the afternoon, and it would literally be the ten of us working the broadcast, only ones in the building, nine hundred thousand square foot arena, ten people. That, that part was very strange. That That's crazy. Strange. Now, let me ask you this, Dante. What are some things for you personally that you are enjoying of the new environment and some things that you just simply cannot get used to? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I, I guess I don't have to wait in any lines. I can kind of get, <laughs> get, get wherever I want. I walk in, I sit down, and, I, and then at the end, I, I leave. But again, at the, you know, the, the, there's no wait for anything. But again, that being said, the most fun part of this whole thing for me is interacting with fans, is stopping and having those conversations. And you can pick up so much. You can get the pulse of Magic fans very quickly when you walk into the building and interact with, with a few of them. So that part, I just I don't think I'll ever get used to that. We're used to hearing the basket and then the crowd go crazy and, and you know, stand right. and cheer for the fourth quarter. And we don't have that. You know, right. The fans that will go will do the best they can. And we're, we will have a bit of a home court advantage being one of the few teams that will have fans. I think it's down to six now. But um, – yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that that I'll just I'll just never get used to. And and what's new to guys this year? Another thing that I I probably like the least is the travel. We won't travel with the team. So even mm. when the team goes on the road, we'll still be we'll go back to kind of a bubble environment, and we'll be ha having to rely on everything on that monitor. And you pick up so much with an interaction in an elevator or on a bus or on the plane. Uh, there's so much that you can see interacting with these guys, and and we kind of lose a lot of that. So we're gonna have to rely on George Galante. Uh, which makes me nervous, but we're going to have to rely on him to, to kind, of, kind of fill us in on all that. I find that to be an interesting point. Also, you know, just, just talking about how the fans impact the game, because I think most of us, 
look at the game and can see how fans directly impact the players on the court and on the bench, but the broadcasting team feeds off of that energy as well. So uh, one thing that I wanted to know is how do you work on kind of bringing that energy uh, into the broadcast when you don't have the fans to feed off of? It's an interesting point. And, and I think just to, just to piggyback on what you said about the fans being there, what's the first thing we do when we see a game winner or a big shot? You know, you want to see the shot. Yeah. You, want, you want to see the fans. The camera right. goes right to the fans. You want to see that excitement. That that's that's what makes that so. You know, we saw that Luka Doncic game winner in the bubble, and it was awesome. But without the fans, it it just kind of felt it just kind of felt fake. It just right. like you missed that. God, man, you just missed that. And hopefully, we can get through this, do it smart, and have fans back as soon as possible. But I think what helped me, Justin, to your point, was um, being in a studio. When you have to do the pregame and the postgame in a studio. Uh, we have the great graphics and a desk and a, and a great team that helps put that on for Fox Sports Florida, but there's no fans. There's no there's no game night atmosphere in there. So they you know you're you're told you have to generate all that on your own, and I, and I think that's that's part of it. There's a natural high with being on TV. There's a natural high with doing a podcast or a broadcast of any kind. That right. it's it's very easy to get excited and get up for it, uh, but understanding that you have to when you don't have that crowd doing a bump, doing a game in the bubble when you realize you have to generate your own excitement. I, I think we were very conscious of it. We tried to do the best we could, um, you know, Brian and Jeff have to call the game the best they can, but it's up to, I think David and I to, to try and, and keep the thing moving and generate that excitement. But do you feel now being in the arena where there has many games and obviously the limited amount of people in the stands, yeah. um, do you feel as if the artificial crowd noise is helpful? Does it at least kind of, uh, uh, help you adjust a little bit more than it would yeah. without any of it? Yeah, it does. And, that, and that's a good point. But I think, you know, everybody knows it's fake, right? So you're there, you hear it, it's pumped in. It's not the same as it would be. We have such great fans and they're into it. And when a big play is made, you know how they would react. And it's not the same. It's it's not the same. And I, But it does help. It's better than nothing. There's no question about it. And hearing some of that, uh, especially uh, when, when you listen on radio, they're able to feed in that ambient, you know, that ambiance, and it feels like almost like a sounds almost like a game night atmosphere. But right. um, when you're looking around and you hear all the cheering and you see six people, you, you know, <laughs> it just kind of it just it feels different. It feels different. But that was friends and family, and, and it was kind of experimenting. We're gonna have a rowdy, rowdy opening night crowd in the rest of the way. It, those those few fans that are able to come in are gonna make their are gonna make their presence felt. Yeah, I feel I feel confident that the four thousand people that they'll they'll allow inside the arena that they'll make yeah. up for the the artificial. Hopefully, it gets to a point that they won't even need it uh, from that point on. So, right. um, so uh, now, granted, uh, NBA draft. So a lot of excitement, a lot of things happen all at once. I think, as from a fan standpoint, it was really neat to kind of go through the free agency, the trade deadline, the NBA draft, the whole, the all in one week. Um, during the NBA draft, the Magic went a, um, uh, I would say, an untraditional route than what we're used to them selecting. Um, were you surprised that the Magic drafted Cole Anthony? I, I know as as fans, uh, I, I got the general uh, sense that we were all extremely surprised. He, I, As much as I like Cole Anthony and as much as I admire his game, he wasn't in the top five of my projection of what I thought that we were going to um, right. go with. Was he a surprise to you? Even even at fifteen, he wasn't in your top five projection at fifteen. You didn't he, think not, they were going. Not not that he wasn't, but I didn't see the magic selecting him. 
I didn't see yeah. us going that route. Now, are you saying because he's not seven foot with a nine seven wingspan? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember. I remember. Um, him mentioning in an interview that he's never said that he had a, he had a type that he drafts that that's something that just the the media and the fan base kind of just kind of threw on him. I remember him saying that, but at the same time, I get the feeling that it was yeah. completely different, completely different. No, you're right, and you know what, too, Anthony. You look at all the mock drafts, all the analysts, no matter who it was, CBS, NBC, you know, whatever, all these ESPN, uh, Fox, whoever it was. Whoever was the longest guy available is who they had projected. Exactly. And they said it kind right. of fits. It kind of fits what what, what this group likes. But listen, I, I think what they've said from the beginning is they're going to take the guy that they feel is the best basketball player. And and yeah, though that helps. And you you know you, you can't you, you can't make up for the length and the height. And and but they like Jonathan Isaac. They like Mo Bamba. They they like the guys that they drafted. They like Giannis Adetokounmpo when they were in Milwaukee. They right. drafted him with the Bucks. You, when, when a guy like Cole Anthony, I think, is available at 15, and you're thinking this guy was the number one high school player in the nation. Now, some had Wiseman there as well, but but this was the number one high school recruit coming out of high school, has the injury, isn't able to finish the whole season at UNC, but has a pedigree. His dad played in the NBA, and, and this is a hard worker, a competitor, a fighter, all the things that this group likes. Uh, players that are selfless, uh, the, the, and then you know another scoring op. They needed a shooter. They needed a scorer. They needed another guy to pack some punch into that second unit. So I think, yeah, okay, you didn't have your your traditional guy that that maybe they they would have liked from a you know from a physical standpoint. But I, I think they, and, and not to say they they wouldn't have. I mean, I, they they might have taken Cole if they had eight or nine. I, I think they really sure. like the kid. I think they like what he brings, and we've seen already. You know, the leading scorer for rookies in the preseason. You know, uh, total points scored. So I, I think you get pretty excited if you're a Magic fan thinking about what he can do. He had the injury. The UNC team di- didn't play well. He just played 22 games. They had some other injuries, and and uh, they didn't have a great year there. But, you know, you, you I think maybe because of that, he falls to 15. And I think the Magic got very lucky, and I think it's a terrific pick. Yeah, and I think the, the entire fan base, <clears throat> it's, it's happy to have him in Orlando. I mean, yeah. we've seen in only four preseason games what he can do, the difference he makes when he's on the court. Personally for you, as a basketball fan, what do you like about his game so far, seeing him live? What does he bring to the table to our team? You know what I like? We don't have a lot of guys that scream and yell and are into it and are vocal and, and all that stuff. It's kind of a calm, you know, laid-back group. It's, it's just yeah. a workman-like group that we have. There's nothing wrong with that. But he gives some pizzazz. I, I think he gives mm-hmm. some flash to this group. I think he give kind of like much like Markel, you know. Uh, I think with his ability, but I, you know, and then so you've got that, right? You've got that. I think he's got some star quality, some some characteristics, some great charisma, things like that. You see the emotion, even though Booch told him to smile the other night after his <laughs> game winner. <laughs> but he's got that. He's got that that raw emotion. You hear him yelling. Even from where I'm sitting, you can hear him yelling and directing that second unit. So he's got that. He's got kind of a lot of the intangibles, but the guy can play. I mean, he's got quickness. He can get to the basket. He's got a nice shot, and he likes. He seems to like the big moment. I mean, I know it's a preseason game, and say what you want, but he hit the game winner, and then he iced it with two free throws. You know, in his yep. fourth ever NBA game, and I, I think there's something to be said for that. He's not afraid of the moment, and I think guys, you're not getting. You know, you're not getting a guy that has potential and has talent and. And it shows all the other characteristics and you try to make him a scorer. This guy has been a scorer his entire 
life in high school and one year in college, 18 points a game in college. And you 34 points in his debut against Notre Dame. That's a yeah. legitimate program. He's a scorer. And I, and so coming off that second unit, uh, coming off the bench with that second unit and him and Terrence, I, I think that's going to be problems for the NBA. I agree. I was really excited. Um, like you said, just seeing his energy and seeing how he's not afraid to be critical of his game um, and yeah. how he performs. And I think that is, you know, that's huge in trying to build and, and become great. Uh, so I'm right. excited to see that. But I did want to ask, because during that matchup against Charlotte, it felt like two big, you know, uh, point guard, shooting guard, star, projected stars, I would say, LaMelo and Cole Anthony kind of went head to head. What was your first impression of that? It felt like LaMelo got the better of the first game. Um, and then Cole Anthony just came back in the second game and I was, I was impressed. Yeah. And I thought, I thought Cole played okay in that, in that third game. He, you know, he'll tell you right after it's time to get better, but LaMelo impressed me. Uh, you talk about star quality. That, that guy's got it. He's loaded with it. He's got good size. Um, you know, I was watching him shoot and he took about 43s and I think he made two. And I'm not exaggerating before the game in his pregame warmups. Uh, but again, you don't know how he's taking a three, then he's stepping back, taking it. I don't know how serious he was kind of taking the warm up, but that shot is different. You know, it's not kind of like as drastic as Lonzo, but it's a different release point. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, you can see why the game plan going in was to maybe let him make a couple uh, before you adjust to him defensively. Well, did he? I mean, he knocked down four threes. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference in the basketball game was his, his long range shooting. You see what he can do, the pass, even the pass he made, the other night to Malik Monk in transition. I mean, that was just unbelievable. Beautiful. He's got a great feel for the game and you can see that. So he's got size. He's got a great feel, his ability to get in the paint and find guys. He, you know, he, he never loses sight of where his teammates are at. He's always seemingly just a couple of preseason games, a step or two ahead. And uh, if he can be a consistent shooter, then I think you really have to, well, I think Charlotte would really have something. Any prediction for rookie of the year? I think Cole, Cole will be in the running. I will tell you this. Cole Anthony will be in the conversation for rookie of the year because he's going to have a chance to play. He's going to have a right. chance to play. He's going to put up, I think, numbers. But, I, you know, I don't know. You know, they'll they'll probably maybe look at the, the player that has the biggest impact. And, and will he have the biggest impact? I don't know. But I think he'll have – I think he'll be in the conversation. Uh, LaMelo Ball will be in the conversation. I think it's hard to say – this early who it's going to be, but uh, I, I certainly think Cole Anthony will be, yeah, will be, will be in the conversation for that. You know, you look at some of the, Killian Hayes has kind of had a slow start. Um, you look at Patrick Williams. I think a lot of these guys are so young. It's going to take a little bit to, to kind of get going in the right direction, but whoever it is that, that comes out and, and just as, is a scorer right away, that's, that's going to be the guy. And I think Cole has a chance at that. Yeah. So I I've said in, in previous episodes that, um, losing Jonathan Isaac was a major blow for us this season. Sure. But I think the addition of Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki has kind of lessened that blow a bit. It's, it's exciting to watch. Um, Chumo Kiki, went, we went a different route with him. He redshirted all that season, and now he's finally on the court. Um, what, what have you seen with Chumo Kiki? I've seen the comparisons. of People have compared him to a modern-day Richard Lewis, and I really didn't see that, but I can kind of see him playing that role for us because he is a way better shooter um, from what I've seen than what I was expecting. Yeah, no, he can he can shoot it. He he can flat out shoot it. He did in college, he did in high school, and he will at this level. You know, and I think you know as we're talking about Cole and Chuma, I think everybody understands. We know, and I think everybody understands, they're rookies. They're going to look great sometimes, and then they're going to they're going to go through rough patches. 
probably going to hit a rookie wall at some point, and that's understandable. I think what's different with Chuma is he went 20 months without playing. And, and I think when you look at all these guys, look at Gordon Hayward, for example. He, he had that horrific injury. He, To me, he wasn't right that whole next year. He didn't feel 100% comfortable and confident that whole – it seems to take – guys got to know that they can play. Markel Fultz, as good as he was last year, I think he had to know that he could get through a year without getting hurt. And I, and I think Chuma is kind of going to be like that. I, I, you know, he's gaining confidence by the day. He's getting stronger by the day, but I think it's only natural when you go that long without playing that you got to build up that confidence. Now, Jeff Turner pointed out the other night on the air, he's playing without a brace. So maybe that tells you he's already kind of gotten over the mental hurdle part of it. You know, if he feels that comfortable, comfortable to be out there without that. But I think that I just think that mental part of it is so much when you're coming back from an injury like that. Um, but once he once he gets through that and is able to tackle that, it, at that position, the three or the four that he's playing, those are the best players in the league. And he's going to have his hands full every night. I think it's going to be a whirlwind for him. I think it's going to come fast and furious. But I think he'll find his way at some point. And I think he's going to contribute with his team. I just enough, You know, in today's NBA, you can never have enough shooting. And that guy can shoot. He can defend. He's big. He can rebound. And there will be a spot for Chuma. And I, I think – where he is now to the end of the year is going to be night and day. I will say quickly, I I was impressed when I saw his size on the court compared to other yes. players. I was like, I didn't think Chuma was that big, and he's he's very big. He's six eight, and he can, and he's, he's got long arms, right? So you you know that you know that that's a that's a plus. But he's a great passer too. I, I think you can tell just in a few preseason games, he's got a great feel for the game. He just got it. He hasn't played. He's got to be rusty. He's got to get that. Uh, he's got to feel more confident. And that'll come. And that's that's already gotten much better. And I think it's going to be fun. Uh, who do you like from an opposing team on the defense? Who do you guard on on the art? Terrence Ross, Cole Anthony. He's like you have so much more firepower from behind the three. Steve Clifford. Uh, Steve Clifford talked a little bit about that during um, his recent one of his recent post interviews. That if there's one thing that we've done differently is that they've added way more. Um, shooting option in the second unit which would you not argue that's what this team needed i mean that was like right that was a major major you know hole for this team is to to find enough shooting do i love dj augustine i I am an enormous dj augustine fan and and i don't want to jump the gun if you're going to talk about dj later but i but i think you've got a guy that you know isn't going to be as solid in cole anthony as as dj he's going to make mistakes He's a scorer. He's going to be trying to do more than DJ was. So I think you're going to be turnover prone at times. And, and so I think you'll see that. And I think you're, you're probably not going to be as good a shooter as DJ yet. He's the best three point shooter on this team uh, coming in and, and he just never turned the basketball over and he's a savvy veteran. He, you know, he hardly ever made mistakes, but I, I so I, it's hard to ask Cole to do all of that. But uh, yeah, when you look out there and you think, okay, you put so much attention on Terrence Ross, as you know. So what happened? Ken Birch realized I can just roll to the basket and I'm open all day. So he had a great preseason. He looks solid. Um, and then he, you're right. Cole's going to have the, if, if they double Terrence, he's going to have a wide open Cole Anthony, or he's going to have a wide open Chumo Kiki. Um, you know, we eventually going to get James Ennis back and Dwayne Bacon goes to that second unit, or if it's Gary Clark, I mean, these are shooters. These are weapons that are going to be available and, and are going to be open now. And I, and I think this second unit probably as deep as it's been in a while. And then at some point you hope to add Al Farouk Aminu into there as well. Another savvy veteran. Yeah. I definitely think that second unit, it's probably the best it's been in, in a while, especially with shooting. Like I said, that's been the biggest weakness of this team for years. And I think the front office has done a great job kind of fixing it with marginal moves, but yet making the right moves, not spending a lot of money, 
adding key guys, good guys in the locker room. So we got to give props to the front office for making those moves. Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest ones has been adding Markel Fultz to our team. And a lot of fans are excited to see what he's going to bring this season. What have you seen from Markel so far this preseason? As you're seeing it live and you kind of interacted with him, what do you expect from him in 2020? Yeah, you know what I see first and foremost, guys, is last year I think he was every day. How are you feeling? How's the shoulder? How are you doing? Why are you going to be able to play? Are you doing okay? Now you've played a week. Now you played your first month. Now you played two months. How are you? Just so much of that. And listen, he'd never been through it before. We never went through it before with him. We're getting to know him. And these are all legitimate questions. And and I think at the end of the year, there was a sense that man, I just, I just did this whole year on my terms. I was able to finish this year injury-free and get through it. So I think now that you don't have that, and we're just talking about his game and we're just talking about what he is as a basketball player. He's relishing that he is in such a great place guys. And it was evidenced by the extension that he was able to sign the magic, putting confidence in him, uh, adding an additional three years to, to his contract, but he's worked tirelessly to, to get back out there on the floor, to stay healthy, knock on wood. We hope he can again all this year. He missed one game and it was for an illness. He was able to play the entire season. So now I got to think that's out of the back of your mind now. And now you're just playing. The shot is what it is, and he'll continue to work on that. The shot looks better than it did last year. That release point is getting higher. He's releasing it quicker. He's stepping into it. The feet look better. All the mechanics look much better than they did last year, and he'll continue to fine-tune it. But just look at how – just watch. You guys see the confidence level that he's going to have. Okay, 12, 13 points a game last year. Are we talking 15, 16 now? Is he going to add to that? A little bit more is he going to be more assertive at times I think he deferred a lot last year and I think he'll I think you'll see him take over stretches of basketball games this year which I think maybe he could do last year maybe was a little reluctant to do but I think you're going to see that this year and I think with the the physical attributes like you said just kind of feeling himself stronger and more confident right. that's showing through in the way at least for me in the way that he's communicating and kind of commanding on the court um, you see it. He's more vocal as a leader yes. now. Um, and I think that just that's just all a byproduct of his confidence rising. You know what's interesting, Justin, you, you say that. And there was a game, I forget where we were, I'm going to say D.C. or something. But we were two months into the season, a good two months into the season. It wasn't a great effort, kind of a lackluster performance, the Magic loss. That was the first time he went out there and said, this is unacceptable. We can't play like that. We can't start the game. And you started to have that locker room voice. You know, right. and I think with, you know, DJ was that guy. DJ was the locker room guy. He was the guy that could talk to everybody. He could keep it loose. He was the veteran. So any question anybody could possibly have, he would answer. We need a new voice. There needs to be a new kind of glue. Everybody has their own voice in their own way. But I think he was kind of one of the glue guys. And I, if he can emerge and be that guy, this is his opportunity. And I think whereas, you know, a reluctant to take over maybe stretches on the floor, even though he knew he could do it. I think he kind of deferred a little bit. This isn't my team yet. I, I think now he's well aware that, you know, I'm, I'm one of the guys on this team. I, I need to be better. I need to be more vocal. I'm the point guard. I got to get guys in the right sets. He's very smart. He's very cerebral. And he's just got an unbelievable feel for the game. He was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. And I think, I think more and more this year, we're going to, it's going to be, we're, we're going to see glimpses of that. Uh, for, first of all, let me say how weird it is to see DJ Augustine wearing Milwaukee gear. I saw a picture. <laughs> saw a picture this past week, and it it, it still yeah. doesn't feel right. I was a I big... think it's the only jersey he hasn't worn before he <laughs> got to before he got to Atlanta. <laughs> right. He'll he'll joke with you on that, but uh, yeah, I know it was strange. I mean, he's been a Magic guy for four years. 
It, it honestly feels a lot longer. I've, I've always been a big DJ fan, but I think that one of the most exciting parts about this season is the fact that uh, Markel only has a rookie back in, backing him up. And no matter how talented Cole Anthony is, it's, it's Markel's show. Um, if Markel wasn't having a good game or whatever the case may be, you can still rely on DJ Augustine, his, um, his veteranship to, to be able to lead us there. But it's, it's, it's just on him. And um, it, he's so fun to watch. He has the size and he has this really quirky, the way that he's able to kind of bend his body and, and oh. kind of still score with four people on time. It, it is the most bizarre, most amazing thing I've ever seen from, from a player. And the fact that he has that ability, it's, it's fun to watch. That degree of difficulty, right? Is I know you're right. His bendability, how he's able to get to the basket and he can absorb contact. He can get hit and he can finish. I mean, he's a terrific finisher. He's working on that little step back. He's, he's getting that pull up. That was the biggest thing he worked on this year was uh, shooting off the bounce. He wanted to be able to go right into from his dribble into a shot. And, and I think if he starts to perfect that, that's going to be a problem. But you saw at the end of games, probably in the last month or two of the season, he'd just go, he'd just go to work He'd put his head down and he'd get to the basket. And you're right. It's, it's here. And then it's here. And it's, and you don't know how he's able to even hold on to the thing. But he gets wherever he wants. No one can stay in front of him. And I, I think that's what gets you most excited is his ability to, to get wherever he wants on the floor. And, and we are huge DJ fans. But you bring up a great point in that there was always kind of that safety net there. And you kind of have one in, in Michael Carter-Williams. You've got another veteran that if Markel has questions or a thing or how to run the point position, he can ask MCW. But um, DJ was the guy that was kind of always that that safety net. And, and that's not there. So I think – He's got to he's got to take it to another level this year, and I think he's ready to do that. Now, Dante, another guy who doesn't have that that backing this year is Aaron Gordon. So again, Isaac being out, it's kind of on him to kind of hold control of that power forward position and really run the show there for us. Another thing for him is he's always been kind of back and forth, the three and the four. What right. is he this year? He'll be a solid four the entire season. What do you expect from AG this season? Do you expect to see better numbers, more consistency, since he is playing the natural power forward position? I think so. I remember what Aaron did the five to ten games right before the hiatus, right before they shut it down, when they put the ball in his hands and he could be a playmaker, and then they posted him up on the low block, and as a four, you know, if he got switched onto a three, he was able to abuse him, or if it was a four, he was too quick, and he could go around. He just used his physicality. Um, until Kyle Lowry cheap shot at him and, and he wasn't able to finish there in the bubble. I still stand by that. There was no other intent than to knock him off balance and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. But uh, so that was unfortunate because that could have gone different if you had him in the bubble to defend Giannis and all that. But I, I think you, you, I think you found something with Aaron. And I, you know, again, he's okay. Yeah, he's going into year seven, but he's 25 years old. I mean, he's, a, he's a guy that's still. Uh, just a baby when you're thinking about NBA life and, and what is to come with AG. But I do think it's a big year, and I think he needs to make a jump, and I think he will. If he can if he can focus consistent three-point shooting, the spot-up threes, not not too much dribbling or shooting you know, off the bounce, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. He, he became very good three-point shooter with his feet set last year. Putting the ball in his hands, he's a great passer. He was four or five assists a game. Uh, when they kind of ran plays for him and he can bully guys on that low block. And then you see putbacks and you see getting out in transition. There's all kinds of ways for Aaron to score. And, and I think, I think you're going to see more of that. This team needs that from him. And uh, hopefully he's able to, to kind of find that consistency this year. Dante, serious question. Is there any chance for me to catch up to Aaron Gordon? 
Is there? Do, is there? Do I have? A, do I have a shot? Zero. Zero. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work for Aaron to grow his. That's to keep it that smooth. I would think is a lot of work too. So for those that aren't uh, watching the video and just listening, that's true, Anthony right? has zero hair on his head, but he has <laughs> all of it on his face. Um, and he wants to know if he could grow a fro just like Aaron. This that Aaron, I, I don't think he touched it since the bubble ended. He's got, yeah. He was. We had him on the post-game show, as you guys saw, and he's fiddling with the headset. It wouldn't sit right on it. But he said, hey, I just wanted to see what it would do and let it grow. And it's a different look. It looks cool. And, and if that works for him and he can get 29, 30 points a game with that, I'm all for it. <laughs> I, I think the froze actually made him stronger because the last couple of games I've seen him <laughs> grabbing rebounds over four people, putting it up. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the braids make him a little more aerodynamic. So <laughs> hopefully we're still able to see the – well, he's uh, always had that. Yeah. He always had that athleticism. That's and, right. And you know the numbers can be deceiving, and I think that's important to point out for fans because he is such a great defender, and he, he's so solid on that end of the floor that I think he, that makes up for so much of that. But I think he would tell you it wasn't the year he wanted to have offensively, and I think he'll bounce back. Now With that here, <laughs> right now, Dante. Obviously, I I'm in the. I have the feeling that this team can only go as far as Nikola Vucevic will, will lead us. He's he's going to be our, our main anchor. He's the one player that we absolutely need him to to play like like he does in, in, in the bubble, which I thought he played out of his mind. Um, what do you see from Vucevic um, going into this season? And also, with a lot of the media talks out there, they, they have the magic right now out of the playoffs. What, what are your predictions of where the magic will end up landing? Well, it's interesting. We did a podcast. I encourage everyone to, to listen to that. Of course, listen to this one first. And then after that, if you got time, <laughs> go to Magic Pod Squad. Too kind. And we we kind of asked that that very same question just because, uh, you know, Booch played so well in the bubble. And does he have another level to get to? And here he is now 30 years old, year 10 in the NBA, year nine with the Magic and played the best basketball of his life in the bubble. And, and I think now with the ability to extend beyond the three-point line, if he gets up to seven or eight three-point attempts a game, uh, then I think there's going to be more opportunities to score there. But I talked to him earlier today, and he's like, you know, I, I you hear that when a guy's 25, 26, that they've peaked. That's it. He'd been in the league five or six years. He goes, and I thought, okay, I, I think this is probably the best I can I can do. This is this is probably I feel good. I feel like I'm in my prime right now. He goes, but the last couple of years, he, he said it's just gotten to another level, and he feels this year coming into this season is the best he's felt mentally and physically mm. since he's been in the NBA. And I think that is important to point out because we, everybody thinks the media, a guy at 30, how much can he add to his game? Well, I think we've seen that this guy has another gear to get to. And, and I think you're exactly right. It, and he's been consistent. He's, he's almost 20 and 10 every single night. And if he can get it to, if we're talking 22, 23, and still the 12 rebounds, and now he's hitting three or four threes a night. I mean, I think this team becomes very dangerous, and I don't like the the predictions about being out of the Eastern Conference play. I just don't see it. I know you don't have Isaac, and that's a big part of it, but I think, you, I think you've got a deep team, a deeper team than you've had in a while, and I know you got 10 less games, right? So, you know, the win total, I, I you don't, could it be in the 30s? It could be. You won 33 last year. Um, you know, could it be around 32, 33 again? But I think what we mentioned on the podcast was the worst we all think they could be is in the play-in, right? That's probably mm. the floor, at least in the play-in where you're competing 
for that last playoff spot. Tenth, probably the worst. So you get a chance to make it with the plan. The best, five or six, if it all comes together and you're healthy. With COVID changes everything. We don't know, you know, God forbid anyone gets it on this team or in the whole league, fans, whoever, let's be done with this. Um, but uh, it, 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 health, all things considered, we don't know how much better these teams are going to be in the Eastern Conference. Uh, people haven't predicted the Magic to make the playoffs the last two years, and they have. So I, I think they're going to build on it. And I, I think they're going to, personally, I think they're going to be battling for sixth or seventh. Before the season started, I wasn't as optimistic. But then seeing what the young guys are bringing, uh, I think I'm more optimistic about them making the playoffs than I was a few weeks back. Uh, but Dante, to kind of wrap things up, I did have one final thought for you. Um, in a recent episode of the Pod Squad you did with uh, Magic CEO Alex Martins, mm-hmm. he spoke about the hurdles to achieving a crowd at Amway Center this year and the difference in perspective and approach between the Magic and the Heat ownership and bringing fans back to the arena. Uh, can you speak a little bit about how the Magic core values influenced the decision to allow fans back in the arena? Yeah, I, I think it was it was very interesting. Our our ownership group and management team, led by Alex Martin's CEO, kind of wanted to gauge where fans were at. Hey, if we were going to open our doors, would there be interest? And and they sent something out to season ticket holders, and much more than fifty percent said, "Yeah, if the doors are open, we want to come." And so then it became well. Can we get them in the building? What's it going to take to get them in the building? And that long, arduous task and that long road that they took to find, to put everything in place, safety first. Safety and health comes first and following all the CDC guidelines, working with their partners like Advent Health and and what's it going to take? Now we continue to explore and and work with the partners. What's it going to take to open our doors and then find out, okay, this this thing could happen. And and listen, it's, it's not going to be financially beneficial I don't think for this team to open the door and have 25% capacity, have 4,000, 4,500 fans in the building. By the time you pay all your game night employees and, and all that, I, you know, I, I don't think you come out ahead, but if fans want to go to be able to provide that service and that ability for them to go at the magic's expense to make sure it's the safest environment possible, uh, they wanted to do that. They wanted to provide that option for their fans. And I, and I think that was important to point out that one, fans want to go because you say, well, why take all that on? Right. And I think it was that the fans want to go. They want to do it if it can be done safely. And again, safe and, and safety and health will be first and foremost. But you're going to see hand sanitizing stations all over. We saw a bunch of them already in a couple of preseason games. They've got this UV light cleaner on the, on the handrails for escalators that cleans those things as it makes its rotation. Uh, everybody's say, you know, socially distanced in the building. You've got to fill out your clear app. If you're anywhere near the players, uh, those fans are going to get tested. So again, they thought of everything. I would argue, I think for these guys, I think it was easier to open the building in 2010 than it was this with, with everything that you had to consider and make sure fans were safe. Um, so that's, you know, again, you know, it's not perfect and you got to make sure everybody, you know, follows uh, like it does what they're supposed to do when they come in. But I think they feel comfortable. I talked to Dr. Hendricks with Advent Health and he said, absolutely 100%. I would bring my family into Amway Center for a magic game. And he walked the building and he wanted to get a feel for what it was like in there. So they've taken all the precautions humanly possible and, and they feel ready for, for fans in the building which we know will be loud and ready to go here on opening night throughout the season. (laughs) 
It's it's going to be exciting. We're super excited. Dante, thank you so much for joining us on, on the episode again and taking time out of your day. Hopefully, the third time that we have you on, we're completely done with COVID-19 <laughs> altogether. I am all for that, Anthony. Thank you, Al, Justin. Great to see you guys again. Keep up the great work. I, I tell you what, there's a there's a lot of people that are following the team, and, and you guys do a fantastic job with it and, and become a great source for me and, and for all of us in case we miss something. You guys are on top of it, so... We appreciate that, and and I hope we're going to see you at some point in the building, too. Absolutely. I'll be there. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com, and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.